0: How can you be part of a religious community that's straight up Sometimes it feels like the church it is trying to nine it The church seems to be stuck in their ways, in ways when the rest of the Why are they so obsessed with they keep gaming? trying to get answers, I would but they never don't even be a know the The church, the church, that that the church, at church at is the most t- vocal, political, political, political voice theory. against immigration. immigration. Some is the Some churches still don't want claim that worship leave. Leave. with the actual people. Do you understand how we good that is when the majority of people on the church Like, how is that actually? seems like so much of the church so being a good American, anticritical thinking, thinking being a good homophobic, <sighs> too narrow, judgmental, disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world. <sighs> the church needs therapy. Welcome to the newest episode of The Church Needs Therapy. And today, if I'm not mistaken, I think today is episode 97, which means we are approaching the century marker. I probably should put together something special for that, some kind of guest interview, maybe bring a friend or a previous guest to interview me, maybe bring a couple people. I'm not sure yet, but got to do something special to mark that. And before I get into this episode, which is a the beginning thoughts on this idea of the cosmic Christ, which I will say more about. One, I an update, I'm almost 30,000 words. I usually shoot for about 50 for those of you who have considered writing and maybe wonder what's the a general a general word count for a manuscript. I usually go for about 50 and I could go up or trim it down. I usually do trim it down in the end depending on how much I end up with. So, almost 30,000 out of 50, so I'm probably just past the halfway marker on a book that is not the I don't want to give away at all, but It is in part about the cosmic Christ and its connection with our concrete life, with the Jesus of the Gospels, etc. So I think this can end up being a very, very special book. I am in the very early stages of editing and putting together a compilation book about everyday mystics. I don't have a title. It's very early on, but I wanted to put together a compilation book to give newer writers a platform to write on along with some established writers who have already published just to have a book about what does the movement to the mystical do for our everyday lives because for me being a mystic where your faith is not primarily about abstract beliefs but about direct experience of god that movement that experience is one of the most practical things in life like that grounding in the sacred that knowing and being known by god for yourself shapes your romantic relationships shapes how you engage at work it shapes how you parent it shapes what kind of a friend you are it shapes your relationship with institutions the ways in which it liberates you empowers you and allows the authenticity of your true self to emerge like This is the most practical thing, and I want people to get a feel for that in our everyday lives. So very early on, best case scenario, I'd say, could come out middle, late next year, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. But early stages of that, just had a great meeting about it yesterday. So yeah, just started doing spiritual direction with people. Just announced three to four weeks ago. I know I mentioned on this podcast that one of the one of the dynamics of this new chapter of my life is starting to see people for one-on-one spiritual direction sessions. Spiritual direction, this long ancient tradition of one-on-one direction co-listening to the spirit, gain, helping people gain clarity on how they're growing, evolving, helping them enter deeper into their own lives, their lives with God. All of that stuff just started doing sessions And it is, uh, it's just definitely something I love. I'm so grateful to begin. I'm excited to have more and more as a part of the everyday rhythms of my life moving forward. So yes, for people who have listened, if you're still wondering about, you know, you have that, there's that past, the desire for pastoral guidance, that desire to feel heard and seen and to help gain clarity on some of the things that are rattling around within you, the desire to keep growing spiritually while changing and evolving and the challenges. I just started seeing the first direct tease for that. It's so good. And if you're interested, I, I think it's great to try out. You know, it's a very no-pressure the life with God is always an invitation and never an obligation. And I help people respond and pay attention to that invitation. So yeah, you can find any way to get in touch. DM me, email me, kevin at kevinsweeneynow.com because I'm just starting that. So now to the episode. I'll just probably call this, you know, I'll do a few episodes on the cosmic Christ. Some of my my, my writing is in part about this right now. So Yeah, I just wanted to give some introductory thoughts, you know, throw some things out there, get people thinking about it in some new and helpful and clarifying ways. And this will be the Cosmic Christ Part One. And maybe I'll call it something like, What was Jesus doing? Or really, Jesus did that? I don't know. It's something like that. And that title will make more sense. So here's where I begin with this. As a Christian, There's these funny moments where I feel, you know, uncomfortable when people use the name Jesus. And I know, like, how how many pastors have you met who feel weird sometimes when people talk about Jesus? I get that's a strange place to start, but stay with me. Because for clarity, it's not that I have any problems with Jesus, right? I've actually given my entire life to this path. But I do have problems with where, how, and when people use his name. And I'm not even talking about the co-opting of it by white Christian nationalists and empire and institutionalized racism and et cetera, et cetera. That's a whole other conversation that I'm sure I've had in here in many ways. But in these instances I'm referring to, if people said God or spirit or something similar, I'd say, okay, that makes sense. I would do the same thing. But there's certain moments I'm like, but Jesus? Like really? In that moment? the Jesus. And when this happens, something within me responds and is just like this deep, like, I get it, but also I don't know about that. So for example, someone's praying. And they say, Jesus, I just want to say thank you for today. Mm, okay, so Jesus gave you this day. Jesus of Nazareth? The historical person Jesus who lived in the ancient Near East in the first century is also the creative source of everything, right? In Genesis 1, which of of course I know is a poem, was it a 30-year-old Jesus who said, let there be light? Is that who the writer was referring to, right? If, If someone were to say thank you to God or spirit or creator for the day, of course, definitely, But Jesus himself, that's an interesting concept when you really think about it. Or here's another one. Maybe a pastor says something like, Jesus is always with you. Turn to Jesus and he can handle all of your problems right now. Jesus is always with us. How does that work exactly? God being with us as his continuous presence? Yes. Love always being available to us? Of course. The eternal Christ who holds all things together still holding us as we surrender? Absolutely. But Jesus being with us right now? And how do, we, how exactly do we turn to Jesus? Do we speak with him directly as if he is still a human being? Do we simply imagine a 33 year old Jesus and then have a conversation? Right? So Jesus, can you believe what Sheila said to me at work today? Why is she always, she's always picking on me? <laughs> Christ being ever-present as the presence that holds us together, yes. But handing our problems to Jesus? I'm not sure about that, and I don't know if I know how that works. Or someone says, you know, I just need to get away and really be with Jesus, you know? Well, that's an interesting idea, right? A little getaway with Jesus of Nazareth? What exactly does that mean? Are you spending time with the same translucent Jesus we see helping Ronald Reagan sign the Constitution in those hilarious memes? Do you talk to Jesus as if he is still a human being in the way you are? Which is interesting to think, as I'm 38, so if you're older than 33, you're talking to a Jesus that is younger than you. It's just a funny, really interesting, strange thing to think about. I mean, intentionally present to God? Yes. Consciously experiencing your true self in Christ? Yes. Awareness of an awakening in spirit? Yes. But spending time with Jesus? Right? I, I'm not so sure about that or how that works. I remember, or I'll, I'll tell a story after this, but someone says, in this group of people, I saw Jesus here today. Right, so at a conference, through the diversity and conversations, you saw Jesus. Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph's son, the carpenter. You recognize Jesus here. That's interesting, right? Now, seeing God manifested through diversity, wonderful. You see the whole of Christ revealed in, through, and as the stories of the people, beautiful. You see the unity of spirit within the parts of the individuals present, yes. But what does that mean when this person said they saw the person Jesus in and through a group of people? Like, I don't fully get that. Or, like, let's begin with, this, begin with these questions, right? This is, the, doing something like this is what I call an exercise in loosening the imagination, Right, Our minds are very fixed on things. We take things for granted. We just kind of think things without fully examining and reflecting upon them. And oftentimes when I preach, I begin with this process of loosening the imagination to sort of unsettle the things that are normally settled that maybe can provide an opening for a new imagination or a new way of seeing. So Let's let's keep let's keep doing this but we'll change it a little bit. Let's think about moments of deep connection, powerful experience or when we stumble upon beauty and awe. Right? We silently sit in the face of a sunset and allow the motion of her color and the voice of her light to remind us once again that somehow everything is going to be okay. Sidebar, how amazing are those moments, you know, just somehow watching a sunset when you are present? to the presence of beauty, communicate something deep to your spirit that like everything is okay. That's the power of beauty right there, reminding you that it isn't just this moment that's okay, but somehow everything's okay. But so we we see the sunset, right? Transcendence and beauty, of course. Being present to the presence of God, yes. Waking up to the sacredness of ever-present awareness, absolutely. But would it be right for someone to say that that was Jesus, right in the sunset? Sacred of course, but Jesus in the sunset. Like how like it's like how some people see Jesus's face in a piece of toast. What does that mean exactly? if someone were to say they experienced Jesus while watching a sunset? Or well, we're in the middle of dinner with close friends and through the smiles, laughter, food, and wine, you suddenly realize that all of the goodness, And mystery of life is present right here. The fullness of life through your life, yes. Gratitude and grace, without a doubt. The full surrender to the eternal now, of course. The substance of Christ everywhere. But surely we wouldn't say we experienced Jesus in that moment, would we? We could confidently say we felt the presence of God, but to say we felt Jesus... You know, I, I swear I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Right? During, or during a moment of silence, you experience a deep sense of union and unity with all of creation. There's this, is there a sense of being seen and loved by God? Yes. The humbling experience of knowing you are simply a part of the entire fabric of the cosmos? Sure. The peace that comes from acceptance of and surrender to that which is. Yes, amazing. Of course, I know that a million times. But would it make sense for someone to walk back to their car after that experience and tell their friend they spent time with Jesus? Right. And I could keep going on with these examples, but let's stop for a second. Do you see what I'm trying to speak to? Have you ever had questions like this? Or do you understand those questions even more deeply right now as I'm asking them? Have you ever heard someone say Jesus in a space that somehow seems like it doesn't fit? How many? I mean, how many more could you come up with that you've heard in sermons or heard friends say, you know, that would make the placement of Jesus in some people's conversations about the divine more and more problematic? Or just it feels like it doesn't fit. Here's the thing. Of course, I understand what all of these people are attempting to speak of. But as a person who believes Jesus was fully human and fully divine, it still seems to me to be inappropriate or misguided to use the name of Jesus instead of God or Christ at certain times. Right? As a follower of Jesus, I still believe there has to be a way to speak of the divine spaciousness that makes room for the arising of all things that is the substance of all things and is that which connects all things. But I would also say this, that which is liberated by the name of Jesus cannot be limited to the name of Jesus. Right? That'll make more sense along the way, I hope, but that which is liberated by or through the name of Jesus Cannot be limited to the name of Jesus, right? And I don't. I don't think I'm the only one who thought these thoughts either. In Ephesians 4:10, the, the the Bible says the Apostle Paul himself speaks of Jesus ascending in order to quote fill the entire universe. So Paul's talking about, you know. Jesus ascending to in order to fill the entire universe so Jesus ascends something happens and now there's this mysterious presence it's like Jesus or the substance of Jesus or the fullness of God in Jesus however Paul means that when Jesus ascends and is no longer present on earth in in a physical incarnational form that substance fills the entire universe Right In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, he also states the light of the knowledge of God's glory is in the face of Jesus Christ. So the light of the knowledge of God's glory is in the face of Jesus. So you can see the light and knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And he even claims that he existed before all things and all things are held together in him. And to add to those words, the writer of Hebrews says the sun is the light of God's glory and the imprint of God's being. So embedded within everything, filling the entire universe, existing before all things, holding all things together. Paul is starting to reveal the mystery that was powerfully embodied in Jesus, yet had existed before Jesus and extends beyond Jesus. So here, Paul and the writer of Hebrews are articulating the power and presence of, and this is why we are here, the cosmic Christ, or even more simply, the Christ. These visionary leaders In the early church, we're beginning to hint at and point to the divine reality that has created, continues to animate, and binds together all of life since the inception of the universe itself, and how this force is inextricably linked with Jesus. And this attempt to communicate this transcendent and concrete reality continues to this day, Right? Father Richard Rohr wrote, long before Jesus's personal incarnation, Christ was deeply embedded in all things as all things. The writer Paul Smith wrote, the cosmic Christ beyond Jesus is the transpersonal, creative, loving face of God that creates all things and in whom all things hold together. And the legendary theologian Karl Rahner wrote about the self-communication of God in the depths of existence, which we call grace, and in history, which we call Christ. So it's the infinite embedded within the finite, and the finite always existing within the infinite. It's the universal presence that is born within, remains beyond, and keeps all things bound Beginning in the very beginning with the Big Bang, through atoms, molecules, cells, simple organisms to human beings, the formation of communities, there has been a hidden evolutionary force at work driving this sacred process. From the depths of human creativity through the unfolding of culture, within the organization of social bodies, to the expanding universe itself... And behind the curtain of the cosmic drama playing out as life itself, there is something good and powerful intentionally working. And this is why I would say this is the Christ. The cosmic Christ has been unfolding in, through, and as the universe since the very beginning. It's the creative drive of evolution itself. It's the organizing principle within all forms of complexity. It's the transcendent power imminent within all of life itself. If any of this sounds a bit eclectic or unorthodox, remember that Paul claimed that Jesus ascended in order to fill the entire universe and that he existed before all things and all things are held together in him. Paul was deeply committed to the way of Jesus and beginning to imagine and write and share about the cosmic reality of Christ. And not only do these pioneering voices for humanity collectively name the spirit unfolding as the body of the universe, they also audaciously claim that this presence was somehow fully present in and as Jesus. So let's pause right there for a second. It begins with the beginning, but also it begins before, it's it's present before the beginning, right? The cosmic Christ is that which was fully present in Jesus, yet remains beyond, was before Jesus as well. So it's, we're starting to get at not, not just the distinction between, but the relationship between the cosmic Christ, the creating, sustaining, loving force that has always eternally existed and been present, and then the concrete, embodied, first-century Palestinian presence of Jesus in space and time. Right there is a, there is a really sacred, powerful, meaningful relationship here, and as a Christian, the incarnational moment of Jesus coming out of history. You know, it's funny you you hear Christmas sermons like Jesus stepped into human or God stepped into human history as Jesus, and it sounds interesting and very poetic. But if the cosmic Christ always has existed, and we live in what Richard Rohr calls a Christ soaked world, and he actually makes this point in his book, The Universal Christ, it's not that Jesus or God stepped into human history, it's that actually God was born out of a Christ-soaked reality and was fully embodied as the person of Jesus. So, you know what, what for for this first one, I'm going to stop right here. The next one, I'm going to start to get into the first sort of, let's initially make some connections between the cosmic Christ and the actual person of Jesus and the relationship there, but I want to just, I want to stop here because I think it's enough. We're starting to think about the cosmic reality of Christ and how that is embodied by, but is also beyond the person of Jesus of Nazareth, which is why at one point I said that which is liberated by the name of Jesus, or we can say present in You know, the person of Jesus is not limited to the name of Jesus or the person of Jesus because it has existed eternally, that which has created all things and holds all things together. So let's stop there. What What are your thoughts about the cosmic Christ, the Christ that holds all things together, right? This is a great place to start. So let's next time start to get into the the relationship with the concrete jesus let's begin with just some thoughts about the cosmic christ